Try again. That wasn't the unexplained actions. Um, do convey some sort of message, don't they? Popping the balloon wasn't part of the unexplained action. I'll just leave that there and it'll make sense later. Neighbours across the road, they have a, a odd colour paint across the top of their house and there's a bubble that keeps re reappearing in it. And each time they have to get up and you know fix the paint, it reminds me of how hard it is to admit that you're wrong, how hard it is to be corrected. Because some years ago when they bought that home, the previous owners went about the process of tidying up the home and they'd do-it-yourselfers. And so they set up scaffolding out the front of the house and painted the front of their house, you know, cutting everything in and, and doing everything just so. And I remember thinking, it's a weird colour, a very weird colour. But you don't say that to someone, do you? Because everyone, you know, they're entitled to express themselves in whatever way they like and it's their house. But a couple of days later, after packing everything up, um, Dean was out there again, putting everything back up again and painting a new colour. And when I carefully asked him what the story was, he said his wife didn't like the other colour. Wouldn't it be good to be a fly on the wall to hear that correction happening, to be told, you're wrong, dear? We don't like it, though. We do not like being told that we've done something wrong. We don't like being corrected. When he got the gear out for the third time, it was because their interior decorator friend had recommended that if they want to sell the place quickly, they should go for something a little bit less. Well, anyway, the point is, the illustration there is how hard it is to be corrected, how hard it is to admit that you're wrong. And you see it in many, many other ways too. You know that, that driving trick people do when um, they cut in on traffic and they cut it a bit too fine, they realise they've cut it a bit too fine, so they look away. Because if you look away, it didn't happen. It's this denial, this suppression of the truth. You just don't want to admit that you've done the wrong thing. Nobody enjoy, enjoys being told they've done something wrong. Or illustrations that go crazy. I'm sure I'll hear about that later. When you look at today's passage, it is an awkward passage. It's an uncomfortable passage because it's one that says we've done stuff wrong. It's one that points out awkward truths that we don't necessarily want to hear. Because when you look in today's passage, it tells us, the first point, it tells us that God is angry. God's wrath is being revealed. Second thing is it tells us that we are deserving of God's anger. This is a hard part of the Bible to read because it says we're wrong and in a far more serious way than the colour of paint that you put on your home. If you look at verse 18 there, it says God's wrath or God's anger is being revealed. It's God's righteous anger, his justified anger, even his punishment in verse 18 that's being revealed. And it's not popular to, to say or to think that, that God would do that, that God would be angry. Um, our anger isn't like God's anger. We can get angry over all sorts of things. We can get angry because we didn't get enough sleep. We can get angry just because we're a grumpy person. We can be irrationally angry, but God isn't like that. There is, there is an appropriate kind of anger. To see injustice done and not dealt with, that ought to make you angry. There is a, a, an appropriateness to anger. God's anger, God's wrath is righteous, appropriate anger. God's anger isn't like ours. God gets angry because truth matters. God gets angry because... 
his creatures matter. God gets angry because the way he designed this world matters. God's anger is justified. So verse 18, God's wrath is being revealed. It's just a fact, the way it's stated there. God's wrath is being revealed. The Apostle Paul gives the reason for God's wrath. So it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. When you think about what it means to suppress the truth, that's where, that's where that does come in. You put that in water and it wants to come to the surface, doesn't it? it just, and to suppress it, to hold it down, takes effort. And if you've got lots of these, they're going to be popping up left, right and centre. It's that sort of futility, this suppression of the truth. It's, it's holding something down that, that can't be held down. It's going to escape. It's that sort of thing that's happening here. The truth, um, it just keeps popping up. And when it does, people kind of pretend it's not there. They look away, make up excuses for it. So verse 18 not saying people are ignorant of the truth. It's saying they willingly suppress the truth. Verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because he's made it plain to them. God hasn't left us in the dark. So the unexplained part of the balloon, that action it, it, of blowing it up, it, it conveyed something, all sorts of different things perhaps. When you add an explanation to it, it makes more sense. When you look around, it's obvious that God exists. When you hear the gospel, it all makes more sense. There's this sort of thing happening when you look in verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what's been made so that people are without excuse. You look around at what God's created, all that God's done in this world, and you'd be a goose to say that God doesn't exist. You'd be suppressing the truth to say that. Yes, when you hear the truth of the gospel explained, it all makes more sense. The actions get more explanation. But at very least, you would know, verse 20, God's eternal power and his divine nature. You're without excuse for realizing that God is there and he should be worshipped as God. Um, God's anger, God's wrath is being revealed against people because we suppress even that truth. The argument is that people ought to be able to look at God's creation, look at God's works, look at all that God has done since creation and know that God exists. And the key point in verse 20 is that God has made himself known. He has done it. But people refuse to acknowledge God and so God is righteously angry and God has begun revealing that anger, his wrath, and we're on the receiving end of it. When you look at verses 18 to 20, you stand back and give it the pub test. The average punter will react and say, that's not fair, won't they, for God to be angry at us. They might think up a, a hypothetical um, example. Think about Kenny. Kenny, the, 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 the little guy down in deepest, darkest Tasmania. He's had no chance to hear about God. So how can he be without excuse? And Paul's response is, well, even Kenny, the guy in deepest, darkest Tasmania, ought to have known just by looking around him that God exists. And even Kenny will suppress that truth. God has revealed enough about himself for everyone to be guilty 
of suppressing what we know about God. Um, God's not revealed enough in his creation that everyone will know that Jesus died for them. That's where his actions could do with explaining. And so that's where, for whatever reason, God sets it up so that we're out there sharing the gospel, sharing the truth about Jesus. And so the little Kennys in this world need to hear the truth about Jesus. It's just the way God chooses to work. But the point of this passage is that everyone suppresses what little they know about God. And that's the reason for God's wrath. And Brisbaneans in 2022, we are just as guilty of suppressing the truth about God as the Romans were back in the first century. It seems to me that our current um, most acceptable way, I guess, of shutting God out is this presupposition, presupposition that everyone needs to be true to themselves. You've got to be the best version of yourself. And we thereby push God to one side. It doesn't matter what God thinks. When the apparent contradictions start to crack open, no one should draw attention to the contradictions because that's intolerant. It's their right to be true to themselves, to be who they really are. You can't question it. That's the culture we live in, this one that suppresses the truth about God to the point where what your feelings are matters more than what God thinks. Being true to yourself is more important than being true to the God who made you and his purpose in making you. Romans 1 verse 18, it says God's revealing his anger, his wrath against people who suppress the truth like that. And so therefore God's revealing his wrath against our culture. Um, It goes on to show how God's revealing his wrath and it's a little bit unexpected. It says basically God gives us over to doing things our way. You don't want to acknowledge who I am, God says, well, Go ahead. Try it. Do your own thing. It's not that God is letting go by doing that. It's an act of judgment, an act of punishment on God's part to say, okay, do it your way. Um, Three times Paul says that God has given us over to the futility of our thinking. So verse 24, therefore God gave them over. Down in verse 26, because of this God gave them over. Verse 28, the second half of the verse, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. God gives us over to our own folly. We suppress the truth and he goes, well, okay, have it that way. And then we gladly accept, because then you've got this exchange language that comes in. So verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. Or down in verse 26, they exchanged natural relations for unnatural relations, and on it goes. A world where people are more concerned about being true to themselves rather than honest to God, a world like that is a world that is under the judgment of God. It's not a happy place. It's a fallen world. It's a broken world. It's not the good, ordered, purposeful world that God made. It's the world outside the garden. It's a broken world, a world full of people who are busy suppressing the truth. Um, We live in a fallen world, the world outside the garden, the world where we live out the consequences of Eve and Adam disobeying God. We give in to the lies of Satan, the lie that God can't be trusted, the lie that we know better, the lie that it will be better if we do it our way. And we actively suppress the truth. And so God gives us over to our folly and says, have it your way. 
It's an act of judgment. There's, they're hard truths to hear, aren't they? This is, this is far bigger than colours of paint on homes. This cuts to the heart of our lives. So it's hard truths to hear. And I'm, I'm sure you've already looked ahead. You've already, as it was being read, looked at verse 24 and what it says about sexual impurity there. We live in a culture where um, we think that consenting adults can do whatever we like when it comes to sexual relations. But verse 24 says there is a right and a wrong kind of sex. There's appropriate and inappropriate. There is pure, there's impure. And that's not very popular. When you read that verse, it just grinds against our culture. It's the kind of verse which will make you lose your job if you quote it in the wrong place. Verse 26 and verse 27 condemns homosexual sex. It labels it as shameful, unnatural. Verse 27 says that people receive a penalty for their error. In our culture, it is intolerant to say those things. Worse than that, it's thought to be harmful to express those truths in the way that they're written. As our society suppresses the truth of verses 26 and 27, um, we're expected to disregard the balloons popping up to the surface. We're expected to disregard and ignore biology, mental health data that says that that sort of behaviour is not helpful. Because of this blind assumption that we should all be allowed to be true to ourselves and whatever that might be, with total disregard for God. Our society's gone so far that it's no longer right to point out homosexuality as being not what God designed our bodies for. Instead, we're required to approve of it. Um, and at this point, I feel like, I've got, I feel like I've got to say that, yeah, if you are same-sex attracted, then don't mishear what's being said here. This is like the illustration that proves the point of Paul's argument. Um, if you do have temptation in that way, you're no less loved by God. You should feel no less welcome in a church. I also need to say that the main point of this passage isn't to single out sexual impurity or sexual behaviour. Verses 24 to 27, they're more an illustration of the point. Look at what else gets included. If you keep reading, it goes all the way down to verse 28. Verse 28 goes, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so they do what ought not be done. They've become filled with all, every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossips slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And by the time you get to verse 32, none of us are off the hook. There's a thousand and one ways you can choose to live your way, not God's way. The Apostle Paul is saying God's wrath is being revealed against all of us for living our way, not God's way, not living the way that God wants us to live. Yes, there's mention of homosexuality in the passage, but in the context, it's no worse than greed. And greed is insidious in our society today. It's masked in terms of being comfortable, providing your needs, 
That's no worse. Yes, we do need to defend God's view of sex and marriage, but we don't want to cause those who are same-sex attracted to feel that they're any more sinful than anybody else. We're all tarred by these verses. We all um, are being told that we need to give up our way of living and live God's way because only then are we true to who the way God made us. And I know there's lots of stuff that you might want to keep talking about in these verses. It's one of those sermons that should, I think, keep discussion going. Um, but I hope and pray that you're not offended um, in the wrong way. As you look back through the sermon outline, you can see where the, the passage is heading. So God's wrath is being revealed. It's the fact of his wrath is there in verse 18. The reason for God's wrath is there in verses 18 to 20 because people suppress the truth about God. And then the expression of God's wrath now in verses 21 to 32 is as God gives us over to our own way of doing things. The reason things go wrong in this world, the reason this world isn't quite right is because of sin and the fact that it's a judged world. God's given us over to it. We live in a fallen world. You can expect things to be broken. You can expect life to be a challenge. The next thing to notice about God's wrath is this situation that we live in. It's not going to go on forever. Um, There's a final expression of God's wrath that's coming. And so if you jump forward, if you look ahead at 2 verse 5, it says, but because of your stubbornness, and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So 1 verse 18, God's wrath is being revealed. That's now. 2 verse 5, there's a day of God's wrath coming. 1 verse 18, God's wrath, it's, it's being revealed now partially. 2 verse 5, there's a day when you'll see God's wrath and God's judgment fully and completely. There's a day when God will no longer be patient with our sin, where he'll no longer just let us go. He will judge finally and fairly and completely. The revelation of God's judgment now, it's like the calm before the storm. It's like when the tide sucks out before the tidal wave. Seeing God's wrath in the world now, described in 1 verse 18 and following, it's, it's like the sure and certain sign that the real and ultimate judgment is yet to come. And if we really understand what it's like to experience God's wrath, then we are in a far better position to understand the gospel and God's willingness to forgive and declare unrighteous people to be righteous. So this, this passage, yes, it tells us about the reality of God's wrath, but please read it in context. Paul's showing us that God can save us from his wrath. Look back at the way the passage um, flows through Romans. So back in 1 verse 14, Paul says he's obligated to preach the gospel. Verse 16, he starts explaining why. He says, for he's not ashamed. Verse 18, in a better translation, he's still explaining the reason why. There's a for there as well. So he's obligated to preach the gospel in verse 14. Verse 16, for he's not ashamed. Verse 18, for the wrath of God has been revealed. Verse 20, for since creation, God's been revealing himself. Verse 21, for although um, they knew God, they, it's this ongoing argument. The point is, what we're seeing in today's passage is the reality of God's anger at sin and the reality of our depravity. So last week, in verses 16 and 17, you read, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The power of the gospel, God being able to declare us righteous when we're not. And then you turn into 1.18 to 2.11 and you see what God is saving us from as he does that. Um, Verse 18 should read, 
for the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth by their unrighteousness. And then you see how it links in with verses 16 and 17. The gospel is the power of God for salvation because he has revealed a new way to be righteous through Jesus' death in our place. Um, 1 verse 18 and following shows what he's saving us from. We should be clear that um, God's wrath is warranted and justified and appropriate. I hope you get the feel for that. But you will in coming weeks. As you look across Romans 1 to 3, it's this one sustained argument that God's anger at sin is justified because we are sinners. So it goes, takes you through to 3 verse 20, where there's no one righteous. Um, if you look at how the argument flows, God's wrath is being revealed against all those who suppress the truth in 1 18 to, to, 3, 18 to 32, 18 to the end of the chapter. And if you happen to be sitting back thinking as you read chapter 1, thinking, preach it, Paul. You're describing the world around us. That's right. If that's you, if you're stuck in a little bit self-righteous, 2 verse 1 goes, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Don't get comfy reading chapter 1 and think, that's not me. 2 verse 1, if that's what you think, the fingers are pointing back at you. Um, some argue that the start of chapter 2 is addressing Jews, whereas chapter 1 is addressing Gentiles. It could be. Um, by 2 verse 17, Paul is definitely addressing the Jews, where he says, now, if you call yourself a Jew, the start of chapter 2 could just be Paul speaking to the self-righteous, Jew or anything else, the self-righteous, the ones who think, that's not me. Whatever way you read it, the whole section up to 3 verse 20 is showing there is no one righteous, not even one. Um, we're all sinners. It's this idea of total depravity, if you want to put a label on it. And God's wrath and judgment of sin is appropriate because there's no one who does right. As you keep on going into next week's passage, you'll see the Apostle Paul throws the whole weight of the Old Testament behind this argument. Shows from the Old Testament, Paul the Pharisee showing from the Old Testament that there is no one righteous, not even one. Why is Paul down on everyone? Why is he taking so much time to underline our sinfulness? Well, because he wants us to appreciate the gospel, the power of God for salvation, the way that God can declare unrighteous people to be righteous. So 1 verse 16, he's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. And so then how do we respond to God's wrath? There's a hint of it, or more than a hint even, in 2 verse 4. It says in 2 verse 4, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance? God could have wiped the planet long ago. But he hasn't. And 2 verse 4 says it's because he's kind and patient. He's revealed his wrath in part, not in full, giving time for us to repent. Um, letting us see the folly of our ways. Revealing his wrath by giving us over to our own way of doing things so we'll see that it's wrong, it's messed up. And the right response to God's wrath is to repent, to do a complete turn around and if you do repent then you'll stop suppressing 
the truth. But instead, you'd be holding out the truth of the gospel to everyone, including Kenny, wanting them to see Jesus as their saviour as well. And if you do repent and stop suppressing the truth, stop fighting against the truth, you will see God's divine nature and his eternal being in everything that he's done. And you'll worship him as God, as creator, as the one to whom you're accountable for everything. If we acknowledge God as God and stop suppressing the truth, then we'll be less concerned about being true to ourselves, more concerned with living as God would have us live. And by doing that, you will be a better version of yourself. You'll be the version of yourself that God intended and God made you. The power of the gospel saves us from two things. It saves us from our sin and the mess we make, and it saves us from the wrath of God when the day of God's wrath comes. We can escape. And so the two questions to think about, do you actually recognise the world that we live in, Brisbane in 2022, do you actually recognise the world around you as a world that is under God's judgement? a fallen world, a temporary world? Or are you getting real comfy, kind of suppressing the truth that the day of God's wrath is coming, suppressing the truth that we all need the gospel, suppressing the truth that being true to yourself doesn't come up to scratch? That's the first question. Do you recognise the world around us is under God's judgment? The second thing is, do you really recognise your own fallen nature? And your need for forgiveness. Because even as Christians, we can sneak into that, the person at the start of chapter 2. We can fall into thinking that this side of heaven, we've got it all sorted, but we don't. We're waiting for Jesus to return. So do you recognize your own fallen nature and our struggle with sin? I'm going to pray that we would um, be able to answer both those questions in a positive way in the light of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the power of the gospel, for the truth of forgiveness and new life in Jesus. Lord, thank you for Jesus' death in our place, the way that his punishment pays for the wrong we've done against you and also appeases your wrath at our sin. Lord, please forgive us for suppressing the truth. Please forgive us for rebelling against you. And please be at work in us to change us, to live for you, we pray. Lord, please also give us wisdom to recognise that we have an ongoing struggle with sin while we wait for Jesus to return. We pray that we would be a church that encourages each other in godliness. And Lord, we pray too that you would help us as we seek to preach the truth about Jesus. Please help us to proclaim it clearly um, and not to be distorting it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.